Good morning. I hate to break up your fellowship, but it's time to get started. We're so glad you're here. Isn't it hard to believe that the summer is almost over? Boo. I know we've got uh, kids going about to go back to school, some going off to college for the first time. Some of our young people mentioned that they would like to sing We Will Remember as a church family before they go back and go back into their uh, various areas. So let's do that this morning as a family. Would you stand with me, sing this great song as we remember what God has done for us and what he will do for us. We will remember, we will remember, we will remember the works of your hands. We will stop and give you praise for great is thy faithfulness. You're our creator, our life sustainer. and wonders you've shown your power with precious blood you showed us your grace you've been our helper our liberator the giver of life with no darkest valleys, we will look back at all you have done, and we will shout, our God is good, and He is the faithful one.
You may be seated. Good morning. I want to do something a little different this morning. I want you to bow your heads right now for a moment. I want you to think back of that day when Jesus radically saved you. Think about the way your life was before Jesus did that. And then let it well up inside of you of how awesome God is to make a way for us to be restored to him. We don't deserve that, folks. And God is so good to us. Amen? God, sometimes it's good to just be still for a moment and to thank you, God, for all that you do for us, especially the gift that you give us through Jesus, that gift of salvation, God. Thank you. God, we pray that in this service today, we would worship you today. That we would be thankful to you today. That we would focus on what you want to say to us today. God, just work in your way. Let us be open to that. And all of God's people said, amen. First of all, let me welcome you to our services today. If you're a guest of ours, we ask you to please take one of the care cards. Uh, we ask that you fill in your information. We want to at least send you something from Pitts, and thank you for being with us today. And on the back of that care card is a place for you to fill in a prayer request, and that's for everybody. If you've got a prayer need, the staff here at the church would like to know about that and be praying for you. So please take a moment to do that. As you leave today, you can place that in one of the uh, wooden uh, um, boxes on the round table in the foyer area, and we'll make sure we get those and get those to the right people. We do pray over those, so please take a moment uh, to do that. But again, thank you for being with us in worship today. A few announcements. We have been diligently searching for a new children's uh, ministry director. We do have some leads. We, uh, while we are looking, there are some critical things that need to be done. So the personnel committee has approved an interim solution. Uh, Garrett Ensley will be taking on the responsibility of children's director. And Leslie Cook will also be taking on more of the responsibilities in the office and then Jackson Arno will be coming on on August 14th, coming back to help us as one of our children's uh, interns uh, for kind of um, probably through the end of the year, just to help us with some of those duties. Uh, we will continue to search and have a great prospect that we're talking with. Uh, we want to ask you as our church family to please continue to pray for us in this process as we seek God's will Folks, it is a critical position to put someone in charge of ministering to our children and our preschoolers. And we want uh, exactly who God wants in that position. So please pray for us. Uh, that is critical to our young families. And we want to make sure that we uh, wait on God's uh, perfect will in that situation. So please, again, pray for us as we seek his will. For the past several years, we have supported... Uh, those in need in our local schools by filling backpacks for them. Uh, those are available this morning. As you leave, there are two boxes on either side of the double door in the foyer with those empty backpacks. However, there is a list in those backpacks of everything that really needs to go inside that to help these needy families. And so even as a family, if you want to take one of those, sometimes people take multiple. We just ask that you even just take one and Go to Walmart with that list with your kids and help have them help you 
fill in uh, all of those things and fill up that backpack. And then uh, we have a designated night next Sunday evening to bring those back. And we'll deliver those to the area schools. And also my father's house is going to be included this year in helping with that. Uh, take those so that those families can have those school supplies. Those kids can show up first day of school with those backpacks full of their items that they need. So if you can help us, uh, we would greatly appreciate that. We are starting a new ministry here at our church called Grief Share. It begins on Tuesday, August 23rd at 930. Uh, there will be people in the foyer to talk to you more about that. We did more of an extensive announcement last week. But if you'll go by to, to my right, there's a table out to your left as, uh, out in the lobby with folks that will be there to answer questions about that. But would, would love for you to be a part of that. If you've lost a loved one, it doesn't have to be a widow or widower. It could be a, a, a child a fa uh, that's lost a parent or a person that's lost a friend. Uh, and dealing with grief, that's a real thing. And we want to uh, hopefully help you with godly principles as to how to get through that. So please go by and see them. Friendly Neighbors is this Tuesday at 1130 down in the core. And they're asking us to wear island attire. And uh, then if you could bring something also that uh, has to do with islands to eat, that would be great. Uh, that's always a great time for our seniors uh, at 11.30 in the core. That's this Tuesday. And then next Sunday night is family movie night in the core at 5 p.m. There'll be snacks provided. And that's also our night to return our backpacks. Men, don't forget our Be Strong Men's Weekend at Snowbird. Wilderness Outfitters is coming up on September 16th through the 18th. That is an awesome weekend. Uh, $50 deposit is due by the end of this month. Uh, it's a total of $150. There is information sheets now in the lobby at the info desk, along with a place to sign up, sign up and uh, make sure you get your email and phone number to us so that we can have record of that. But all that's happening, a lot going on. I also want to mention today, too, she didn't want me to mention or call her out, but Katie Cloyes is with us this morning. Where are you, Katie? Can you wave at us? Right here. Yes. She is going back for another three-year stint and will be leaving middle of the month to go back to the mission field. Uh, but we're glad to have her this morning. I was joking. I was going to call her up and do a 10-minute uh, introduction. She said, please don't do that. I'm like, anyway, um, but we're glad that she's with us in worship. And we do pray for her often and think about you often and always love your video updates when we can show those to our church family. So anyway, we'll be getting more of those. But we, uh, we want, wanted you to know she was here and remind you to pray for her. Uh, also. Uh, at this time, Jamie Kirk is coming with a special announcement for Moms in Touch, and then she's going to open our time in prayer this morning. There is a school campus in every community of our nation. Schools are a hub, a community center. All of us know someone in school. From elementary age to young adulthood, lives are formed, minds are shaped, culture and relationships are experienced there. Besides the home, Young people spend more time at school than anywhere else. We believe prayer is critical if we are to care for students. What if God's love was evident in every school in America? What if we were to pray for every school by name, asking God that students would know God's love? We pray for schools because the body of Christ is multi-generational. Schools are strategic places of influence. We care about students and their environments. Schools are places that desperately need a revelation of God's love. We pray for restored hearts that are free from violence and abuse. We pray for caring teachers who help form the minds of a generation. We pray for students who feel neglected or forgotten. Today, we the church pray for change. 
Um, I would like to share with you about a global, God-centered, encouraging ministry this morning called Moms in Prayer. As you saw in the video, it's a ministry that reaches from your household to the other side of the world. It's in 150 countries. All you need is one other praying mom, a Bible, and a booklet. I say mom, but any woman desiring to pray for children in schools can join. There's a lot of flexibility with group type. Um, so from, it goes from preschools to prodigals. Um, we follow a prayer sheet that leads us through a prayer hour using the four steps of prayer. Praise, praising God for who he is, confession, thanksgiving, and intercession. You might ask, why would I do that? I can pray on my own. But there's such encouragement in joining other moms and hearing them pray over your children. Sometimes you come in with a burden and you just don't have the words for it. Um, and so that mom can cover your child for you. Um, so throughout the past five years, I could see God's hand in my life as I've prayed with my group for my children. And I've gotten to learn so much about who God is, what he can do. Um, it's such a valuable investment and I just I, I got emotional watching that video because it's like letting go it's hard for us moms to let go but God has them in his hands and he's with them always so it's just a really good um, comfort to know that please contact me with any questions you have about joining or starting your own group Maybe you know another mom to share this ministry with. We have grandmas in prayer as well. Um, so have her contact me or go to momsinprayer.org. There's a table in the lobby um, back on this side. Um, there's scripture cards, prayer sheets, um, sample, sample uh, scripture prayers. Um, and I'll be back there after service to answer any questions you have about it. So at this time, um, I want to pray for all students and staff and our schools. I'm going to use some guided scripture prayers from the Moms in Prayer book, Raise Them Up, Praying God's Word Over Your Kids. Um, so at this time, would any students or parents of students that may not be in here right now, um, administration, staff, if you'll stand up from homeschool to preschool to college, if you'll stand up and we'll want to say a prayer over you. And as Jonathan said, we'll be starting back from now till the end of August. But just keep these families in your prayers. When you pass a school, pray for it. Um, just There's lots of ways to be mindful. But it, we want to thank our teachers, too, and staff for the heart and the work that you put in. It's just so important as a former teacher myself. But just be mindful of the students and what they have to deal with on a daily basis too. All right, Lord Jesus, we come to you today humble before you, God our creator. You have created each person in this room and for a purpose. We thank you, Lord, for sustaining us and holding us, strengthening us and using us for your glory. God, your plan is above anything we can ask or imagine. Help us come alongside you in that. Draw us close to you. Help us to seek you. I pray that you would give each student knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. 
Guide them in your truth and teach them, for you are their God, their Savior. May their hope be in you all day long. Lord, be each student's hiding place. Protect them from trouble and surround them with songs of deliverance. Instruct them and teach them in the way they should go. Counsel them with your loving eye on them. And Lord, help each student proclaim the kingdom of God and teach about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Lord, enable school staff and administration and leaders to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Whatever they do, may they work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. May integrity and honesty protect them as they put their hope in you. I pray your instructions be written on their hearts as they take joy in doing your will. Now, for the students receiving backpacks that are in the lobby, Lord, open the hearts of these children and families. May they feel your love and comfort as they receive this gift of school supplies that many of us take for granted. God, help them understand that you will supply their every need. I pray that you would be exalted in this outreach project. And as always in Moms in Prayer, I pray that every school worldwide be covered in prayer. Lord, work a mighty way in this school year through students, staff, and families. Amen. Would you all join me in standing as we continue in worship together?
you grateful for the faithfulness of God. Amen? He's faithful. Uh, If you have a copy of the scripture, I'd like to ask you to turn with me to Mark chapter 4 as we continue our series of going through the gospel of Mark and probably uh, one of the most important passages that you and I could ever be exposed to would be the one that we're covering today. Mark chapter 4 verses 1 to 20 and we're talking about the subject matter are you listening to God are you listening to God and so I want to invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word please again Mark chapter 4 verses 1 to 20 are you listening to God Uh, Mark begins uh, uh, saying again he began to teach beside the sea that is Jesus began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land and he was teaching them many things in parables and in his teaching he said to them listen behold A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. 
Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Father, I pray that you would indeed today give us ears to hear. Lord, it is never a light matter when we have the opportunity that so many don't to be exposed to your word and to hear. God, give us ears to hear the proper kind of listening where we apply what we hear and become doers of the word and we pray this in Jesus name amen I want you to listen a moment to how Dr. Danny Aiken Danny Aiken is the president of Southeastern Seminary uh, here in our own state of North Carolina I want you to listen to how he introduces this text and I quote here he said biblical writers often refer to body parts, sometimes to make an important spiritual observation, other times to illustrate a biblical truth. For example, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. That's out of Isaiah 52. And then out of James 3. James writes, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body. Sets the course of life on fire. And is set on fire by hell itself. 
Jesus said in Matthew 6, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. And then Kevin Knight's least favorite Bible verse, Matthew 10, 30, but even the hairs of your head have all been numbered. Parts of the body being given as an illustration of spiritual truth. Well, folks, here in Mark chapter 4, we're told, he who has ears to hear should listen. And so I ask you this morning, are you listening? We see in chapter 4 that Jesus is enjoying some degree of popularity. In verse 1, we're told that a huge crowd is, is pressing in on him. And there are so many people that Jesus gets in a boat, pushes off from the shoreline to create a little bit of space between him and the crowd. One of the better commentaries on the Gospel of Mark suggests that what we might have here is a messianic reference. Because you see in Psalm 29.10, the psalmist said, The Lord sits enthroned above the flood or above the waters. And so he suggests that the image here of Jesus sitting on the water is a veiled reference by Mark showing that Jesus is God who sits above the water. And as he does so, Jesus tells a parable. It's the very first parable that he deals with. And I think it's very significant that it is a parable that deals with listening to God. All three of the synoptic gospels record this parable. And plus, Jesus gives the interpretation of it. I think both of those facts highlight for us how important this parable is and how urgent it is to understand what it's saying. Jesus' words here also serve to correct our thinking a bit. You know, we tend to think that Jesus told parables in order to make his teaching more clear. How many times have you heard somebody say Jesus told stories and he told parables so that it was easier for people to understand him? You've probably heard that a hundred times. But actually Jesus makes the opposite point in verses 11 and 12. He said he told parables so that those who don't really want to listen will maybe hear the story. They might even like the story, but they don't really want to think about the spiritual implications of the story. And in cases like that, he said the story is not intended to reveal, but rather the story is intended to conceal. As one commentator writes, if we repeatedly hear God's word and refuse to respond time and time again, there will come a time when we become so hardened that we not only will not, but cannot respond. Those are sobering words. Now there's two elements to the parable. There's the element of promise and there's the element of warning. 
First, there's great promise and encouragement that ties in with the overall context. Jesus' disciples have witnessed his interactions with the religious leaders. And they're soon to hear about John the Baptist being put in prison. And then the next thing they're going to hear about John the Baptist is that he's had his head chopped off. And so naturally the disciples could start thinking, is it really worth it? To be with Jesus. I mean just look at all the opposition to him among the religious establishment. It seems like everybody's rejecting him. What about us? I mean if people don't listen to Jesus. If they reject him. We don't stand a chance in the world of being heard. And so is it really worth it? And so there's promise here. There's an encouragement here to the sower. Whoever the sower may be. And in the original context it would have been Christ. And then his disciples in the early church church all the way down through history to us today and Jesus is saying to the sower whoever you may be you may be a Sunday school teacher faithfully preparing your lesson every week and teaching your students and it may seem sometimes that nobody is hardly listening in fact it may seem at times that the majority are not listening but Jesus is saying hang in there because some are listening and some will respond and so there's that encouragement and that's one of the angles to this parable but the other angle is an angle of warning the warning element is to the crowd what kind of dirt am I what kind of soil am I am I really listening am I really listening to God because folks when we hear the Word of God we are encountering God God speaks to us through his word are we really listening on the surface it seems like a lot of people are but really how many are listening how many are truly embracing the claims of Jesus Christ I think it's something we need to ponder today all the spiritual opportunities that we have I mean we've got opportunities around us everywhere I mean look at all the ministries of the church look at all the parachurch groups look at all the opportunities that we have are we just enjoying all of those and everything's sort of going in one ear and out the other and we're enjoying those to the point that we're taking everything for granted or are we truly embracing the claims of Christ and so Jesus is pointing out that you and I have got to continually ask ourselves am I really listening what type of dirt am I and I want you to think about that this morning are you the type that's receptive to the seed which is the Word of God are you listening to God are you allowing the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God and transform your life with it you see folks there's absolutely nothing wrong with the seed the seed here stands for the Word of God and in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 we read for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart and then Paul in Romans 1 16 says the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to all who believe to the Jew first and then to the Gentile there's power 
in the gospel to change lives. Folks, there is nothing wrong with the seed. You know, in a lot of the religions of the world, you've got to do this or do that. But in the gospel, the good news is that God regenerates sinners. People are born again from above, from the Spirit of God. It is a work of of God convicting people of their sin and drawing them to Christ and transforming their lives. And, And when that happens, God removes the heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh. So there's nothing wrong with the seed. Romans 10 said, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And likewise, there's nothing wrong with the spirit because the spirit is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of the living God. And so the conclusion is that if I'm hearing the word of God and the spirit of God is not using the word of God to bring about growth and transformation in me, then I must be bad soil. I'm the problem. The seed's not the problem. The spirit's not the problem. I must be the problem. When the word of God is preached, when it's taught, when it's shared, there's likely to be four different responses, four different kinds of soil representing people. And folks, I would assume that in churches all over the world today, in fact, every single week, and let's get more personal, even here today, there's these four different kinds of responses. And Christ's point is that you and I can't pick and choose as though, you know, oh sure, there's one bad level, but then there's an okay level to respond, and then there's a pretty good level, and then there's a really good level to respond. That's not what he's talking about at all. What he is saying in this parable is there is only one legitimate response to the word. The others are false responses. Well, what are these four? First of all, when the word of God is heard, some ignore it. Some ignore it or reject it or put it off until another time uh, to make a decision representing the hard ground. In verse 4 and then Jesus' interpretation in verse 15. He begins telling them a story that everybody could relate to. Now you and I may not immediately relate to it because of the way we plant seed. The way we do things. But in Jesus' day, it was common practice. You would have a leather seed pouch uh, put around your neck and hanging down on your side. And, and you would walk through the fields and you would indiscriminately sow the seed. That's why some of it would even fall on the hard paths. Because you're just walking along scattering the seed. And then they would come back and turn the soil over on it. That was common practice. Everybody in Jesus' audience would have understood this. Many of them were farmers. It's even been suggested as Jesus is teaching this parable, 
He's looking beyond the crowd over the shoulders of the crowd and there might be a farmer who's walking through his field and he's doing this very thing right here. And that's the inspiration for this story. And in verse 15, Jesus makes the application. Jesus said, these are the ones along the path, the hard path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Folks, some people, when they hear the word of God, they're like this hard path. They hear, the seed falls on them, but it might as well be falling on concrete. Because it's not going to penetrate, it's not going to do any good. It's not that they don't hear, they hear, but they don't really hear. You ever met anybody like that? I certainly have. I've been sitting on occasion with somebody, maybe over a meal, and you're talking about things, and the conversation goes to spiritual things, and they sort of raise a red flag and say, Now, preacher, I don't want to hear any of that right now. I don't want to hear anything about Jesus Christ. I don't want to hear anything about the gospel. I I don't want to hear that. I don't want to talk about spiritual things. Now, the person giving a hardened response may respond like that. They may even be more hostile. Or it may be very subtle. It could describe somebody in church every week. Maybe a husband or wife that the other spouse has drugged you to church. It could be a young person. Parents have drugged them to church. And while the, while the Sunday school lesson is being taught or while the sermon's being preached, you're scrolling through on your phone looking at your emails and text messages and, and social media and all that. You could care less about the lesson being taught or the sermon being preached. You don't want to hear it. And Jesus points out what's going on. When a person is calloused or complacent to the things of God, Satan comes right along and, and notice what he does. He cooperates with you a hundred percent. He says, okay, I'll take that. And he snatches the seed away. He snatches away what you've heard. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Folks, what a warning this is. When we hear the word of God, whatever context it is, we need to say, God, help me to hear this. Help me to really hear this the way you would want me to hear it. We need to understand when we hear the word of God, spiritual warfare is going on. Spiritual warfare is not simply going on out there. Spiritual warfare is going on in here too. I read an article just last week that said that when we come to church, we need to be prepared like we're in battle because we are. And here's what he said in sort of a tongue-in-cheek way. He said, it is madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers, ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews. For the sleeping God may awake someday and take offense. 
Now we know he's writing in metaphor there because God doesn't sleep. He neither slumbers nor sleep. But you get his point. His point is this is serious stuff. It's serious stuff. Can't you just envision now somebody listening to a sermon and they're, and they're thinking, oh, you know what, I don't know about all this Christianity stuff. I don't know if I believe this or not. And what they don't see is that very possibly uh, Satan or one of his demons, and that's not hokey stuff saying that. I mean, Jesus himself is saying this. It's Satan or maybe one of his demons that's coming along and he's snatching the seed away from that person who's not listening. Folks, just think what he's saying here. I think of some folks in the New Testament who displayed this type of thing. I think of Herod and his wife Herodias. You remember them. John the Baptist had preached about their marriage because Herodias had been the wife of Herod's brother. And Herod and Herodias had started having an affair together and she left one brother that she was married to and she married the other brother Herod. Well Herod used to love to hear John the Baptist preach. Now he didn't pay attention to what John was saying. He wasn't going to listen to what John was saying. But John must have been an entertaining fella. He loved listening to John the Baptist preach. Herodias, on the other hand, she hated hearing John preach. She didn't appreciate being called out as an adulterous woman. So one day... Here's Herod, he's throwing this lavish party for his friends and Herodias' daughter is dancing for the men at the party and it's been suggested it was probably a pretty seductive uh, type dance. Uh, maybe R-rated, maybe even X-rated. And the men loved it and, and Herod wanted to, to kind of you know, play to the crowd and he asked Herodias, what can I give to you? I mean, the crowd's pleased. And she goes to her mom says, what should I ask Herod for? And you remember what Herodias said? I want John the Baptist head. And that's what happened. Now folks, it's easy to see that Herodias had a hardened response. But Herod too gives the same kind of response. I guess John's preaching to him was just entertaining. He loved to listen to it. But he was just as guilty as his wife that he wasn't going to really listen to the message. Two different examples of this response. It could be somebody today saying, I like your church. I love my Sunday school class. I enjoy the sermons. I just, the people are so nice. But you know what? I'm just not ready to deal with spiritual things right now. I just don't want to listen to that. Again, Jesus said Satan sends one of his messengers and snatches the seed away. Second response, when the word of God is heard, some receive it only out of emotion over the moment at hand. Look at verses 5 and 6 and then again Jesus' interpretation in verses 16 and 17. The seed among the, the rocky ground. And, and the type of rocky ground we're talking about here is, is not like... When you are in your yard here in Cabarrus County, maybe you're digging a hole to put a tree in. You're digging that hole to plant a tree, and you know, you got to dig out five or six rocks in the ground. That's really not what's going on here. 
what was common in this part of the world, maybe five, six, seven, eight inches below the surface of the ground, there would be a plateau of limestone or sandstone. Might be as big as a football field, might be bigger than that. And there'd be, you know, a little bit of soil on top of that plateau of stone underneath the ground. The seed would fall on that, the rains would come. And, and, and the seed would be saturated, sun come out, it would sprout quickly. I mean, it would look like it was going to be some of the best of the crop. The soil would heat up quickly. And then the roots would go down to get water and hit the stone. And find no water. And the crop would wither. Jesus is describing somebody here with a very shallow faith. There's no depth. And they receive the word out of joy. You can even see emotion in that. They're just, for the moment, they're hearing out of joy. They hear the gospel. They get all excited about it. And thank God for that. Nothing wrong with a little bit of excitement. Like I've told you before, it's nice to have some audience engagement. It's encouraging every now and then to hear a hallelujah or an amen. Can I get a witness? Amen. One preacher said of his church, they're so dead. If somebody had a heart attack in the service, the EMTs would haul out 15 people before they got the right one. (laughs) This person hears, receives out of joy. That's all they've got. There's no counting the cost. They're shallow. They just want to feel good all the time, maybe. Probably every preacher has heard this. Preacher, I just want to come to church and have fun. I want to be entertained. And you know what this person wants to do? They want to respond to the singer or the speaker, but not respond to the word. That's what they're doing. They're responding to the song or the speaker, but they're not really responding to the word. And the demands of the word. And they never grow, they never put roots down, they never grow, they never count the cost of being a disciple. What kind of response have they made to the gospel based on this? They've made an inappropriate response. There's no root there. And what is it that exposes this? Well, verse 17, Jesus said, it's tribulation or hardship because of the word, persecution because of the word. You know, writers for years have been talking about concerns over the Western church. For years in Eastern countries under communism, to go to church might mean you had a government spy sitting in there kind of taking down names. And you could get in trouble. You might be put in prison. And yet... In the, I, I think in the Soviet days, be, before the Soviet Union fell, the Iron Curtain, 
how persecuted the Christians were. And yet they said of the underground church there, it was alive and well and growing like wildfire. Apparently today in China, believe it or not, the underground church is growing like wildfire. I mean, going to church may cost you your freedom, even your life, and yet they're flourishing. I'll never forget Brian Bounds, Linda Bounds' husband, uh, talking about back when he was doing missions in the Eastern Bloc nations, uh, before the Soviet Union fell how he would go behind the Iron Curtain taking things to pastors there and Christians there and just talking about the vitality of those places my question though and a question people are asking what if in America we reach a day that to attend a church may cost you your freedom and may cost you even your very life would you still be a faithful worshiper The one who listens to God has got to be ready to count the cost. I think in Luke 9 of that young man runs up to Jesus. I'll follow you wherever. And Jesus looked at him and said, listen, foxes have holes in the ground. Birds of the air have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. What's the implication? He's saying, that young man, you follow me, you may not have anywhere to lay your head or call home either. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for where a life of discipleship may take you? What are you doing with what you hear? Every day, what am I doing with it? Am I building on the solid foundation? Am I abiding in Christ? Am I living out the gospel? Am I forgiving those I may not be right with? Am I laying up my treasure in heaven or on earth? Am I serving? Am I using my spiritual gifts to build up uh, the, the body of, of Christ? Is there real spiritual life and growth taking place in my Christianity? Or is there no root? Is there nothing there? Third response, when the word of God is heard, some may give the initial impression they receive it, but their life is so crowded that nothing tangible in their faith ever develops. That's verse 7 and then Jesus' interpretation of that in verses 18 and 19. And folks, this may be the biggest temptation of all for modern man. This is a case of two crops competing for the same soil. This could be listed as the modern day American dilemma. Spiritual things, worldly things trying to occupy the same space. And guess which one wins? Now, folks, follow the order here. Jesus said these are the ones who hear. You see, we would conclude that the man who doesn't listen to God is the one who won't even hear. No. That was in an earlier scenario. These hear, and yet something happens. Jesus lists them out here. It's a triplet of things. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things choke the word. Let's look at them one by one. The cares of this world. These could be innocent in and of themselves. 
What Jesus is describing here is people who are absolutely dominated and dictated by the cares of this life. There's always something to do in this world. The job's always going to make a new demand on you. School is always going to ask for a little bit more. And do you want to be the best employee you can be? Do you want to be the best student you can be? Absolutely. The problem is there's always one more thing demanding your attention. And sometimes we think one of these days I'm going to address the, the issues of my life that Christ would have me to address. But life goes by with a tear of the urgent and one day people are standing around your casket and putting you in the ground we didn't mean for the tyranny of the urgent to drive us but it did if we were to look for anything of kingdom value in our lives there's nothing really there we've lived for this world and the cares of this world again we heard the word we heard the word but we've been driven by the cares of this world. Something always gets in the way. Second thing, the deceitfulness of riches. Riches promise life, but they don't deliver. John said in 1 John 2.15, Love not the world, nor the things of the world. And he tells why. The world's passing away and all that's in it. We need to remember Jesus' words on one occasion. What's it going to profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his very own soul? Then he mentions the desire for other things. Other things. What's that? It's anything that gets in the way. It's broad enough to include anything that keeps you from counting the cost of being a disciple. Anything. And you look at the message of these three things. The cares, the worries, the desires of this world. They all have a message in them, don't they? They say that life consists of what you can see, feel, and hear. Jesus says, no, life's a lot more than that. Life's a lot more than that. And if you're not careful, the things you can see and hear and feel are going to choke out the real life in you. You and I were made for fellowship with God. Folks, life is more than flesh and blood. You have a spirit, and that spirit's going to live somewhere for all of eternity. And so what should our priority be? Our priority ought to be knowing God and following Him. And we can't afford to let all this stuff choke that out. Remember, Jesus said, nobody can serve two masters. you got to choose. Probably more than any other soil, uh, this parable uh, talks about. The divided life with divided loyalties might be the biggest challenge today. It's so easy to desire the wrong things. It's like the joke about Billy. Billy said, Susan, you know I love you so much. I hope to marry you someday. I would do anything for you. Susan, you've come to my work before, and I've introduced you to Johnny Brown. 
He says he's going to steal you away from me. He comes from an enormously wealthy family. They have cars, jets, boats, vacation homes all over the world. Susan, I can't give you all of that, but I can give you my heart. I love you with all my heart. She says, oh, Billy, I love you too. I've been thinking recently about marrying you someday. You mean the world to me. But I do have a question for you, Billy. Billy says, what's that? Susan says, tell me more about Johnny Brown. (laughs) We say we love Christ. But do our hearts end up desiring the things of this world more? And then the fourth response, when the word of God is heard, some make a proper response and their lives are forever changed. Jesus talks about it in verse 8, gives the interpretation in verse 20. Notice what he says here, they hear, they accept. In other words, what he's saying, they count the cost. They hear, they accept, they obey, they grow. God reveals more truth to them. They accept, they make necessary changes in their life. To obey, they grow. It's a pattern. And what's the result? They bear fruit. They bear fruit. In other words, bearing fruit is the indicator as to whether or not you're truly hearing God or not. Now he points out we don't all bear fruit at the same level. He knows our differences, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. It's, it's like the parable of the talents. Each servant was only held accountable for what he had been given. You're a 30-fold person. You're not going to be held accountable for being a 100-fold. But the point is, whatever abilities you have, how God's made you and put you together, you bear fruit at that level. Jesus said in John 15, 8, bear fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The one who listens and counts the cost is the one who hangs in there and bears fruit. And notice how Jesus closes this whole thing in verse 9. Look with me at verse 9. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's like Jesus is saying, are you listening? Do you get what I'm saying? Do you ever say that to your kids? Are you listening to me? Listen. Ladies, do you ever say that to your husband? Are you listening to me? Do you understand every time you're confronted in your life with the seed, the word of God, there's four potential types of dirt, soil. And there's all these enemies to the gospel, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Satan will try to get you to brush off the gospel. He'll try to convince you it's for somebody else. And if it's for you, it's for a later time. Think about all that later. And he tries to make us make this life one-dimensional, the here and now. And Jesus is saying, you've got to overcome all of that. There's only one proper response to the gospel. Have you made that response? Or are you back at one of those three previous responses? Anything short of the last response... 
is not genuine conversion. It's not a genuine response to the gospel. Let that sink in. I want you to think of something that happened in the Apostle Paul's life. Acts chapter 17, Paul had gone to Athens. And he was disturbed at Athens by all the false gods and idols that he saw there. And he was speaking to the people in the marketplace. And some of them took him to the Areopagus, which was the ruling council. It was a place and a people. The Areopagus was like the center city where the Areopagus council met and made decisions. And they said, Paul, we want to hear what you're talking about. We're hearing what you're talking about. We want to listen. So Paul preached to them. And he got to the end of talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Some people there said, we'll hear you again concerning this. Some believed. Some were told mocked and sneered. How do you explain that? Some said, we'll we'll listen more some other time. Some believed. Some mocked and uh, sneered. Think about Jesus' own disciples. We see in the Gospels how he spent all night praying who he was going to choose. Here's Simon Peter one day says, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Judas betrays Christ. Both men had spent three years with Christ, heard the same things. Judas, Simon Peter. How do you explain that? Husband and wife sitting in a service today. One is hungry for the gospel and thirsty. The other one is dismissive, hardened. How do you explain that? Mark 4, Jesus answers that. Jesus answered. What kind of dirt are you? What kind of soil? Are you making a legitimate response to what you hear? Are you counting the cost of being a disciple? And are you bearing fruit? Or is it one in one ear and out the other? That's nice. You check it off the box that you've been here Sunday. You lay it aside to another time you come back. What kind of response are you making? Folks, listening is not only a privilege, it's a responsibility. Dr. Adrian Rogers, Mr. Southern Baptist, he said on one occasion, there needs to be a warning sign in every church lobby, warning, church attendance may be hazardous to your health. And what do you mean by that? Exactly what I'm saying. Because you and I are going to be accountable for what we hear while we're here we're going to be accountable for what we hear every time we open the pages of the scripture are you listening to God bow your head in prayer with me please Lord in the in the words of your son Jesus I just simply want to ask you to give us 
ears to hear. God, we have ears. We have physical ears. Help us to hear. We have eyes. Help us to see. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand please? I'll be here to pray with anybody that you've felt the tug of the Holy Spirit on your life. That it's time you turn your life over to Christ. The altar's open if there's some other spiritual need in your life. Or maybe you just want to either pray there in the pew where you're standing or come to the altar. God, give me ears to hear and eyes to see what you're up to. Let's sing together.